Just six years before her tragic murder mystery would unfold, Sharon Amak was asked by a psychiatrist what would she want her tombstone to say if she lost her life. Strangely, Shannon replied that she wanted her tombstone to be blank. After all, no one cared about her when she was alive, so why would they care afterward? Her body would be discovered six years later, and it seems that Shannon's life was truly disturbing and tragic from beginning to end. But who took her life? Shannon Amick was born back in 1976. Even her birth was tragic and heartbreaking because she'd been the child of an incredibly violent act carried out against her mother. Nine months after this crime took place, Shannon was born. She would live with her mother in Phoenix, Arizona for most of her years as a toddler. Though her mother wasn't ready to take care of a child, nor did she feel that she was doing a particularly good job raising her. This prompted Shannon's mother to seek out help and eventually she contacted Child Protective Services asking them to take guardianship of her daughter. It didn't take long for Shannon to be adopted by a family in Scottsdale, where she would remain until she was around 12 years old. The only problem with this arrangement is that as time passed by, the family realized they couldn't care for Shannon either. FBI files that were released later on claimed that her family cited Shannon's behavioral issues as their reason for turning her into CPS once again. Crime investigators never fully revealed what took place to cause the family to abandon her, but she was sent back into the foster care system and would be tossed around from house to house, family to family for a number of years. Shannon would visit several group homes during this time, prompting her to run away time and time again. She felt alone and isolated in these homes, and crime detectives say that she would run away a total of 40 times. Police from Phoenix even claimed that they have cold case records that prove that they had contact with Shannon at least once a week, every week from 1989 to 1991, as they'd often pick her up after she attempted to run away or visit her for various other reasons relating to her case. If we rewind just a couple of years, back to a time when Shannon was just 10 years old, she was scheduled to meet with the counselor. During her interview, she was asked about why she had been running away so often. The details of these sessions have never been fully documented, but it seems as though Shannon simply didn't believe that anyone cared about her. She felt as though she would be better off on her own. According to her cold case files, it was during this interview that the counselor asked Shannon what she would want her tombstone to read if she were to pass away during one of her attempts at running away. It was then that she made the startling confession that she would want her tombstone to be blank because no one cared about her. Unfortunately for Shannon, her true crime case was about to reach a peak just a few years later on May 27, 1992. On May 27, a man was riding his ATV near Deer Valley Road in Phoenix, Arizona. This was in a remote area of the desert just north of Central Arizona Project Canal. This was an area that was most often used for dumping trash and other items. We don't know exactly why this man was riding an ATV in such a strange location, but crime detectives suggest that he may have been part of a search and rescue team for another missing girl named Brandy Meyer, who had disappeared just two days prior. Regardless of the specifics or the man's reason for riding so far out on his ATV that day, he came across a chilling crime scene in the desert. As he was passing by an area filled with trash, he noticed a piece of plywood that looked quite unusual. 
As he stopped his vehicle and got closer, he noticed a hand poking out from underneath the wood. He approached the wood and pulled it back, revealing the crime scene of a teenage girl. He immediately called in the help of crime scene investigators and FBI special agents, and the team got to work on closing off the crime scene and gathering any evidence that they could. Unfortunately, due to how long the missing person had been left here, there was no easy way to identify her. However, a forensic analysis was carried out on her body, and the coroner claimed that the girl had been murdered. More specifically, a cord had been tied around her neck before she lost her life, and her body had been dumped here. Even more disturbing was the realization that she'd been left here for eight weeks before being found. Without being able to identify the girl, police created composite sketches and worked alongside case detectives to list every possible detail of the missing person they had just found. Unfortunately, these sketches and details didn't bring police any closer to any leads or possible suspects, and the case went cold once again. One thing that we don't know for sure is whether or not police ever considered that the missing person they had just found could have been Shannon Amick. In the years since this murder mystery unfolded, crime investigators say that they learned that the group home that she'd gone missing from never reported Shannon as a missing person when she ran away for that final time on May 27th. We also don't know why the group home never reported her missing either, but it seems possible that they may not have even noticed that she had vanished. Unfortunately for Shannon, it seems that she was right. No one missed her when she was alive, and no one missed her when she passed away. She was buried in an unmarked grave as requested in Tempe, Arizona. However, there was one person who never stopped looking for Shannon. One person who never forgot that she'd been abandoned by everyone who knew her, her biological mother. It would be 20 years later before Shannon's unsolved missing person case saw any more progress. Two decades later, Shannon's mother was contacted by cold case detectives. They had reason to believe that the body that they had discovered back in 1992 could be the body of her missing daughter. Shannon offered a DNA sample to police so that they could conduct a digital forensic investigation and compare the DNA sample against the young girl that they had found. Incredibly, they found a match, and they were able to confirm that the missing girl from 1992 was, in fact, Shannon Amick. This was great news because now police could continue with their investigation into the murder. However, it was also devastating news for Shannon's mother, who had always hoped that she would be reunited with her daughter one day. As far as true crime detectives were concerned, there was only one person who fit the bill for taking the life of Shannon, a man by the name of Brian Miller. If this name sounds familiar to you, it's probably because he was also a criminal suspect in the murder of another missing person, Brandy Meyer, who we mentioned a moment ago. Brian would later become known as the Canal Killer as well. Brian Miller was a very eccentric person. He wasn't afraid to express himself, and he could often be seen driving around the Phoenix area in his very unique pickup truck with the words Zombie Hunter painted on the side. Brian would often wear elaborate costumes and would walk around town taking pictures with people as they passed by. While he was a very strange man, no one suspected he was truly a cold-blooded killer. Until now. Brian was arrested by police in January of 2015. This arrest came after a woman claimed that she'd been picked up by Brian late one night. She says Brian attempted to take her life, and she had countless wounds to prove it. 
She called police and they were able to track him down quite easily, largely because of his ridiculous pickup truck. Once he was arrested by investigators, Brian's DNA was taken and he was entered into the police database for the first time. After a full forensic analysis had been conducted, prosecutors were shocked to learn that Brian's DNA popped up in connection to several older cases in the area that investigators had never been able to solve. More specifically, his DNA was attached to two unsolved murder mysteries from the early 1990s, the unsolved case of Angela Brasso and Melanie Berenice. Both women had been abducted when they were riding their bikes near a local canal. Their bodies were found floating in that canal later on, with each of them having seriously disturbing evidence left behind on their bodies. Brian is also suspected of killing 13-year-old Brandy Meyer, who we mentioned a moment ago and who left her home in 1992 to gather signatures for a book festival being set up by her elementary school. Brandy was last seen knocking on a door two doors down from Brian's, and his ex-wife later told authorities that he'd confessed to killing a girl who knocked on his door in 1992. He claimed that she knocked, and when he opened the door, he grabbed her without hesitation, pulling her inside and taking her life. Brandy's body has never been found, and Brian was never charged for her murder. His trial for the murders of Melanie and Angela began in October of 2022. While Brian was never definitively tied to the case of Sharon Amek, it's widely believed that he was, in fact, the person responsible for her demise. Every piece of evidence from her case perfectly aligns with the other cases that have been tied to Brian Miller though it's important to remember that Brian is considered innocent until proven guilty. Shannon's body was later exhumed, and she was reburied in El Mirage, Arizona. This time, she was given a proper tombstone that reads her full name, birthday, and the date that her body was found. It's been reported that her headstone is regularly decorated with flowers by those who remember her tragic case. Underneath her name is a small inscription that reads, I once was lost, but now am found. But that's the video for today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to hit that like button. If you loved it, maybe consider sharing, subscribing, or clicking that blue join button below to really show your support for the channel. But my name is Ty Knotts. You guys have been lovely, and I'll catch you in the next video. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.